we're here to talk about marriage today. Uh, and this is the, uh, some of you, uh, you know, it's not, it's not very good. The internet's not very good because some of you, uh, some people were warned today that we were talking about marriage and so they didn't want to come. Uh, I don't know that that's true. I just made that up, but I, I it quite possibly could be. Um, and the, some of you didn't know that and you're like, well, I ain't coming next week. That's for sure. Um, I want to encourage you uh, that God has something here for you today and probably the next four, five, six, hopefully not 12 weeks, um, we'll be talking about marriage, the basics of marriage. We're not going to talk about everything, just hopefully some basic points that will be helpful for you. Um, our world is filled with bad ideas about marriage, filled with it, and it, uh, it's so bad. It's, it's awful. It's awful. Um, and what I mean by that is just simply, um, it's bad ideas in grandparents and parents that filters down to a culture that filters down to young people and it gives them a picture that's inaccurate and then it sets them up for bad things. Um, and it's, it's prevalent. It's prevalent. It's not just one section of our culture. It's our whole culture. And so as a church, uh, we, don't, we don't just want to be countercultural just because we think it's fun and interesting. We just want to know what God says. And so that's what we're doing here and what we'll be doing uh, for the next few weeks. I want to encourage you. Um, some of you are, you know, just, you know, it just starts bothering your soul when I start talking about marriage because uh, you're in a bad marriage. Um, you feel like you're in a bad marriage. Uh, you're struggling. You're divorced. Um, you're widowed or you're... Um, you're not married at all, and you want to be. And so all these things kind of bring up all this stuff. And I, I want to say, uh, as we go, don't don't reject it. Don't reject it. Embrace it, even if it's not where you're at today, to be able to say, this is what God says. Uh, you're critical. Uh, you're critical to um, how things go uh, for the next generation, because chances are, even if you are in one of those situations, um, you are talking about marriage to other people. And if you say, uh, you know, I can't, you know, men are just all horrible. That may or may not be true. Uh, but this idea that you are pushing that on the next generation and you're giving them bad advice, you're being ungodly as you are sharing with the next generation. And you're probably setting up uh, some young lady used to say, well, why, why get married? You know, why? That sounds, that sounds ridiculous. Or maybe you're looking at, you know, women are just all a bunch of nags. And, uh, you know, why, why, you know, they're just always going to be the ball and chain. Like I said, that may or may not be true. But uh, is that setting up a young man to do that which God has created him for? And uh, as... Uh, I really feel like um, for our young people, the picture of marriage, we're giving them right now. We're, we're, we're making it look attractive or we're making it look repulsive on how we go about this. Um, I hate the philosophy of, um, you know, go have fun. And when you're done having fun, you should settle down. When you're done living life, uh, you should settle down. It's stupid, stupid, ungodly, wrong, sinful. Um, or maybe even the, just the, the idea that someone says, well, I have a kind of a different 
take on marriage. You, you may, you know, it's not as old-fashioned. I have, I have different ideas about it. I want to tell you, if you're making up something new, if you're making up something new, you're making up something wrong. And chances are it's just a, a, a driven by your own selfishness. So um, got a lot of ideas this morning, and they're, you know, I, I fear for you and the second service people what they're going to get this morning and the weeks to come. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. This is the first teaching. Uh, it, it may be even considered the first teaching of the Scripture. Uh, the <laughs> chapter 1 is the creation story. And in chapter 1, uh, verse 27... Uh, you have, uh, it says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then in chapter 2, uh, this end section, we see uh, a little bit more of how that was, how, how that happened, how uh, men and women were created, and really uh, how female was created, a woman was created out of man. Um. This is the manufacturer's design, the manufacturer's. Now, um, most of us don't like to read directions. That's why uh, iPhones exist, right? Uh, you know, uh, there's this thing that they're supposed to just work. We don't want to read anything. We just want it to just think like I think. Um, you know, that's why there are icons, right? Oh, there's a nice little picture. I don't have to think. I don't have to read. It's a picture. Um, but uh, we don't like to read. Uh, but even in, if something is obvious, uh, you know, the idea of common sense, how, how common is common sense these days? Um, most of us have used something with marginal success that it wasn't designed to do. And so we find ourselves pretty creative. Um, you know, you, you say... Uh, you know, you've nailed in uh, a nail with your shoe, and you say, "I'm a carpenter." You know, uh, uh, put that in your bag. I got a shoe in my bag. No, it's a hammer is the right tool. That hammer is designed for that very thing of nailing nails into boards. That's that's what it was for. And you you may be able to use it for other things, and it may, but I want to tell you, it's designed in a certain way. And when you understand the design. If you understand the design and you go with it and you listen uh, to the one who made it, um, it will work better and really uh, it'd be thrilling uh, to see how it comes together and what can be accomplished. Um, this morning, even before we start, I want to beg you to listen. I want to beg you to listen this morning. Um, I don't want to be dramatic, but uh, some of you have connected then in the last couple of weeks, uh, one of my sons has gotten engaged. And, uh, you know, I'm glad Brandon texted me this week and he said, well, if you wanted to do marriage counseling, you could have just asked, you know. And the oh, funny guy, huh? Uh, sitting in Rome thinking of jokes all day long, right? Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it's for him. But I planned this uh, message in November, right? Um, it's for him, it's for his brothers, it's for his sister, for my wife, it's for me. Uh, I have a sister who goes here and her husband, it's for them. We need this desperately. And uh, it's for you, it's for you. 
uh, I, I want to tell you that we have some crazy ideas of what marriage is. I have some crazy ideas. Uh, you know, I, I'm being generous when I say crazy, right? Uh, they're not from God. And so to hear what God has to say and to p- replace those crazy ideas with his own, this is what we're doing here this morning. Um, so I beg you to listen uh, for the bene- your own benefit, for your kids, uh, for the strength of this church, uh, for the testimony of this church. Uh, we uh, want to listen to God. And for the next generation, uh, I was here at Al Moeller this week, and he, he was talking about marriage, and he said, we should think about, we should think about that we're somebody else's ancestors that they've never, that, that we'll never meet. And this idea that we are setting a course for generations to come, uh, so critical. And so, anyways, let's go to God's Word. Uh, where are we? Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. Genesis chapter 2. I want to start um, at verse 18. God's word says this. Then the Lord uh, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a, a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird uh, of the heavens and and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But uh, for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, uh, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman and, and brought her to man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God, I ask your blessing on your word so that you would open our hearts now, uh, that you would correct us, convict us, encourage us as to your plan for marriage. God, we thank you uh, for your blessings to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <laughs> um, so I have some things that we get about marriage from this passage, and uh Think about how this all plays out. And if you look at the Bible as a history, not even chronological, but at least Genesis to Revelation, and you think, well, what would be a good first chapter or first message? After you get through the general that it's all been created, what would be the, the thing? And, and you look at this, this basic building block is this husband and wife relationship, this man and wife uh, 
man and woman uh, creation account and all the importance of it. The first thing that we learn about the relationship of man and woman is this. It's not good. It's not good. Verse 18. Look at it. It is not good for man to be alone. Man was created first. Man was created first. That's what the scripture teaches. Okay? Just just get used to that. Created first. If woman was created first, you know what it would have read? It is not good for woman to be alone. (coughs) That's not what it says. That's not how it happened. But that's the reality of it. There was an incomplete, weak part of creation. And it was simply that man was alone, was alone. Think about that. Let that sit with you. Um, so, some of you say, well, what, what does that mean? What does it mean that man is not good to be, it's not good for man to be alone? I don't know. Think about it, though. Uh, some of you men could quickly, quickly get to the place, right? Um, you say, well, it's not good for me to be alone because I do a lot of dumb things when my wife's not around. Uh, maybe, maybe that's as simple as you get. And I want to tell you, let me, let me be clear here. It's not just that when your wife leaves town that you eat SpaghettiOs and you need your laundry done. That's not why it's not good. It's, it's much greater than that. It's much greater than that. In fact, we have some men here who know how to use um, the washing machine. And they know how to cook. Even better than SpaghettiOs, okay? Some of you don't know what SpaghettiOs are, and that's frustrating for me. That's what's wrong with the new generation. They just don't eat enough SpaghettiOs. <laughs> it says that it's not good for man to be alone. It's bad. It's bad. If you look at it's very interesting as he goes through creation, there's this uh, goodness to it all. There's all these beautiful things that, and there's, uh, uh, it's all good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. And, and then it turns to man. It's not good. It's not good. It's the only thing that wasn't good. It wasn't good that man was alone. As you think about this, you, you, it's important for us to get this because uh, as you think about marriage right now, Many people in the United States of America, many young people, many uh, teenagers and 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, maybe even older, say it's bad to be married. It's bad to to take someone on as a a permanent relationship for a lifetime. It's bad. And I want to tell you, they're wrong. It's good. What's bad is being alone. It's incomplete design. Incomplete design is what's bad. Some might say, well, uh, I just want to be alone. I I, I don't like being with people. Uh, Proverbs even tells us something about that. Proverbs 18.1 says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You know what? Um, 
I need a builder here. Are there any builders here today? Keith, you're a builder. Um, the way we build homes is a bad deal, right? Some of you are retired and you have like 3,000 square foot house, right? And you have, uh, we, we have our bedroom, it's the master, but we have our own sinks so we don't have to share, right? Uh, then we have our own bathrooms and then we have our own closets and then we have our own uh, sewing room and man cave and uh, then we have our other, rec- like, and you're, you're extending out to all these rooms where you can have your own way. I want to tell you, get people out of their rooms. Get them into the common areas. Even if you're just sitting there, you know, doing nothing, it's better to be together. It's better to be together. Some of your parents are getting parent, parenting philosophies right now. You're going, yeah, that's what's wrong in my house. We're not together. It is. The idea of isolating yourself is a, is a bad deal. God has made us uh, that it would uh, be better for us to be together. By the way, if you're single right now, um, single, never married, or uh, single, divorced, or uh, single because your spouse has passed away, um, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 that singleness uh, is meant to be used for serving the Lord. Um, <laughs> in our culture today, um, most of the time, singleness, the great advantage to singleness is you can do whatever you want to do. You can be as selfish as you want to be. Great idea. That's marriage material, right? Get really good at being selfish and then get married. You can do it. God, God will help you. God will help you get out of that. I'm just saying it's not a good deal, okay? Don't get good at being selfish. Get good at serving and walking with the Lord. Uh, that's his design for you if you don't have a spouse right now. That's his design in, in marriage as well. Uh, it's just different. If you, if you look at 1 Corinthians 7, there's a um, partnership that draws away a little bit uh, as we seek to serve the Lord. Which brings me to number two. So it's not good. Get that stuck in your head. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Um, it may be simpler, right? I, I watch people all the time uh, get uh, fantastic careers, uh, seek uh, climbing mountains and doing amazing things. I want to tell you, those amazing things are simpler, easier to attain than a lifelong partnership. And you say, well, I I can control that. Yeah, you might be able to, but there'll be an emptiness to your life and a selfishness that takes its place that you don't want. It's not good for man to be alone. (coughs) Secondly, uh, in that same passage, 18 in the middle, it says, uh, God says, I will make a helper fit for him. It says, "But, but for Adam, it goes on, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. This idea of helper fit is the idea of complement or corresponding one, corresponding one. As you, as you look at this passage, you see this, that um, he says it's not good for man to be alone. And there's this parading of creation in front of Adam 
<coughs> and he's looking at creation and he's naming all the animals, okay? And as he's looking at creation, he says, oh, here are these animals. There's two of them here and we see this and oh, there's the male one and there's the female one and we will name them whatever, you know. And there's this parading. <coughs> and Adam saw visually that there was a problem with him, that there was something missing in his life. There was not the corresponding one for him. It wasn't the one that made him complete. It wasn't the one that he was meant to be with. There there was no one there. So God says, I'm going to make that one that corresponds to him. I'm going to make that one that will be his partner. And I, I want you to get this word, partnership. This is the word of the day, partnership. I hate to be like Sesame Street. Uh, partnership. What is marriage? Marriage is a partnership. A partnership. Uh, he, God is making in woman the partnership of marriage. The helper fit for him, the complement the one that corresponds to him, the one, I would even say it this way, completes him. Completes him. Super important for you to understand that. That marriage is a completion. As I said before, there, all that has been created had two. Uh, they were being paraded in front of him. Um, it says in verse 19, now, now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man uh, to see what he would call them. And whatever man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But in that there was this not man. There wasn't another one of him. There was no one for Adam. God, so God made Eve. She was the special creation. She was that special one. In fact, I would even say it this way. She was the only one that wasn't created like everybody else. He speaks of the the ground. Really, there's this uh, creation that God does out of nothing or the dust. There's something created. But then Eve is created differently. Um, Don't draw too many conclusions from that, okay? Um, husbands, you're going to get in trouble if you go home this afternoon and you tell your wife, so you're the different one, right? That's what I heard from the preaching today. You're the different one. <coughs> That's not what you should get out of this. Um, God did a work, got a creative work. He created something uh, to complete. Um, as he knew for Adam, Adam would need Eve. And so he did marriage, verse 21. Uh, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its uh, its flesh in in its place, the flesh. And the uh, the rib that the Lord God had taken from the, the man he made into woman and brought her to man. It's interesting, too, um, this is the only account that we have that creation was like this, that that man was created first, and then out of man, out of man, 
Um, that word rib, by the way, um, can be translated side or rib, okay? Hebrew is a tough language. It's context, a lot of context, super difficult language. But this idea that, uh, don't worry if it, some of you are you know, going, well, is there one rib missing on one side? How's this deal? You know, uh, we don't know how that would have happened, whether it would have been taken the whole rib uh, from both front and back or how, how that would have come about. Don't worry. Don't get stuck in the details. Some of you are like uh, kinesiology and you're, you're wondering how all these, you know, the bones fit together. Set that stuff aside and know this, that God did this. Well, however he did it, he did it. Uh, whether he took it from the side or the rib or what, what that word meant. But the idea was taken out of man. Just, you get this, like, uh, it, it was from everything else he took from the dust or out of nothing, but out to the special creation of woman was out of man. That's the point. That they would be both the same uh, and out of one another. I want to point something out here um, that's super important in our culture today. Please don't take offense to this. If you do, question where you stand with God. Question where, will you listen to God's word? Will you listen to it, okay? This woman that was created, there was a partnership, but it was with someone different, someone different. In Genesis chapter one, it says he created them male and female. And then in this description, uh, you, you get it again. Um, as, you, as you look at uh, this creation account of woman, <coughs> he talks about the animals, and, and as uh, he slept, the, the side or the rib was taken from him. And it says in verse 22, And the rib Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to man. Then it says in verse 23, then, then the man said, this is last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He describes her and names her something different than his own. The same but different. Uh, in, in our culture today, we, we think, well, we can, we can do this. It doesn't, you know... It, it's, it's easier for two women to be together. They think the same. You know, men, uh, maybe they just have a different thought or maybe they're just wired differently that men and men could go together. They, you know, this is just about love. This, it's not. It's about creation. I, I'm not angry about this. I'm not angry with anybody who th- thinks differently. I just think you're wrong, not because I have a different idea, but because I know the creation account, the holy word, and and. I want to tell you, if you think differently, it'll be better for you if you listen to God. I would quit fighting against him. I would quit. Verse 23, um, this partnership, this beautiful partnership <laughs> that comes together, um, there's so much that could be said. I, I don't have enough time this morning um, but I, I do want to say some pretty important things. As the, the first quote that we get uh, of a person 
in the scripture is this. So uh, all creation has gone on. Um, Adam is created and then Eve is created. And the only thing we know that comes from a human mouth is this. Adam speaking of his new wife, okay? Uh, they didn't have a great uh, ceremony. They didn't look on Pinterest and figure out what was best. But it was, it was there. It was in that moment. And what does he say? This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. This is a, a glorious outburst as he has looked throughout creation and he has seen his own incompleteness. And now he knows that he has what fits for him. It's interesting, he uses two words, uh, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now that word flesh uh, in the Old Testament and definitely in the New Testament has the idea of weakness or frailty. Bones, on the other hand, has the idea of strength, of that which holds up. And as he looked around, I, I want you to put this together, <coughs> that as uh, this outburst come, he says, in my flesh, in my weakness, this flesh of my flesh, but also bone of my bones, there's this strengthening, a completion that comes from this woman that God has provided, this one, this partner, this partner of someone who is different than me. I want to tell you, uh, some of you men have complained to me. I won't, I won't point you out or anything. You know, you don't know how your wife thinks. She's so weird and different. And I want to say, did you want someone that was the same? I want to tell you, that's not what God has designed for you. And women, the same way. Uh, don't, don't look at your husband. Don't want to feminize your husband and say, you should think like I think. Don't. It's a bad deal. It's a bad deal, okay? There's, uh, in this diversity, this partnership comes together, and it was a cause for great rejoicing in Adam, great rejoicing, as he found this one that was like him but different. We move on, um, and this creates a new and permanent unity a new and permanent unity. And in verse 24, it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. <laughs> this new and permanent unity, so important to remember, especially if you're a mother-in-law or a father-in-law, um, if you are a dad or a mom and your child is, is not a child anymore, and they are a man or a woman, and they get married, uh, they are starting a new family. So stay out of their business, okay? <laughs> I'm saying that to my wife, and she should say that to me, okay? Um, it's a new deal. We're, we're studying. What does that look like? We're, we're, we're looking for answers from some of you who have done it well. And some of you can just Teach from your failures, right? You know, uh, I overstepped, and don't don't do like I have done. Um, there's a new family. There's this new and permanent uh, thing that God is doing. I found it fascinating that um, He said this for us in chapter two. And you say, why do you know that? 
because there were no mothers and fathers at this time. He said this for us. He said this for the generations that would come after. He said, this isn't something that you treat your your son or your daughter and their relationship with you uh, like when they were three. It's not the same as when they're 30, okay? They start something new. They start something their own. It's a new thing that God is doing in the next generation. In this new relationship, there's a oneness. There's a oneness. Um, Marriage is not roommates. It's not roommates. It's not. There's a oneness to it. This partnership uh, brings about unity. Um, What's wrong with your marriage? Possibly that you think you're roommates. You're trying to hold on to your own identity. You're trying to do your own thing. Don't do your own thing. You're married. You're married. So there's a oneness that happens there, a unity. Use that word. Are we unified? So much so that it uses the the idea here, but one flesh, one flesh. So important for us to get this picture that that a husband and wife are supposed to operate in a in a sense of one fleshness. Isn't that, isn't that bizarre? It's like the three-legged race for life, right? And, and most of you know that's pretty awkward, right? Unless you get good at it, right? And, and there's this one fleshness that that's what it's supposed to look like. That's what God designed it for. Most of uh, our marriage problems, and I say marriage, our marriage problems, Rebecca and I, or you and your spouse, or whoever's here, or future, like most marriage problems have this idea of doing your own thing, doing your own thing. I want to do this. Well, that was fine when you were single. It really wasn't. It was just selfishness that didn't get corrected, right? Uh, I want to do this. Well, it's not about what you want to do. And it's not about what I want to do. It's about what God has called us to do together in unity. One flesh. (laughs) And this one flesh relationship is meant to be permanent. It's not meant to be divorced. It's not meant to be. And you say, well, where's that in the passage? One flesh. That's where it is. Your arm is meant to be attached to your body for life, for life. And when your arm gets ripped off your body, there's big, da- big time damage. It's not that you can't live afterwards, right? It's not that it, it's just pain. It's, it, it's something that uh, didn't happen the way it should have, right? Okay, there's, there's great healing. There's great uh, grace that God finds if you've been divorced. But know this, do, be careful, be careful. Sometimes um, we use ourselves as the pattern for the generations to come. You know, uh, we say, well, well, this is the way I was raised, and look how I turned out. Don't do that, <laughs> right? There's supposed to be something better in the next generation. It's supposed to be better, right? Um, yeah, you know, I, I dropped out of school when I was in eighth grade. You know, look at me. Look at how successful. And everyone's, uh, the kids are going, oh, great idea. I could do that too. You know, he said that I didn't have to go to high school. That's what I heard. Uh, don't, 
don't. Have you been divorced? Have you been divorced? Look at the next generations. Look at the young people around you. And look them in the eye and say, don't do what I had done. Make better choices. Trust the Lord more. Pray more. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. This isn't what God has for you. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, permanent relationship. Uh, meant to be permanent. It's meant to be one flesh for a lifetime. <laughs> this result is in 25, is a secured relationship. And, and there's much that could be said about verse 25, but we'll just breeze over it. Um, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, you, you'll notice if you read through the book of Genesis, this is prior to sin entering the world. <laughs> Immediately as sin enters the world, there's a sense of self uh, a knowledge of self and this uh, this uh, embarrassment of who they are and immediately uh, clothing is. And, and in this relationship, he designed us to not be self-conscious, but to uh, be free with one another. And some people have this idea that you should go back to that. I want to tell you, we live in a sinful world, so there's perversion and everything else. But know this, that the result of God's beautiful creation was secure relationship. And as in this relationship of husband and wife, there's a security there that should be part of the marriage vows and growing as time goes on. Three things as we close our time, and I, I know I'm we've got a lot to do. So anyways, uh, first thing I want to share, and we're just going to go over this. We're just going to, in the weeks to come, I hope this is helpful. Um, in light of God's teaching this morning, uh, number one, I would encourage you to consider how to be better together, better together. Um, if you're married here today, uh, you should be better together, better together. There's this idea that there's a completion going on <coughs> in your relationship with your husband or wife. Is a completion. And so you're better together. This is God's intention. And so uh, think in terms of that. Think in terms of uh, how can we be better together? Um, it, it's easy to pick out things to complain about, but to really uh, serve each other and compliment each other, not just with words, that's helpful too, but the idea of working together. Um, amazing that God has for you that you would be better together. Second, Secondly, um, appreciate differences. Appreciate differences. Don't compete. Don't compete. Um, it's okay for you to be a woman if you're a woman. And it's okay for him to be a man if he's a man. In fact, it's good. You should think often. You should think often. Uh, I am a man. I am a man. What does a man do? What is a man like? How does a man act in this situation? I know that sounds ridiculous, but in our culture, it's sometimes hard to get the right answer, Right? <laughs> don't do what everyone else is doing. Consider the scripture and say, God, as a man, what do you want me to do? You've made me a man. What am I supposed to do right now? And as a woman, the same thing. I am a woman. What does a Christian woman look like? A, a woman that is created in the scripture. What does that look like? I'm not going to look to all the rest of my w women peers. I'm going to I'm going to find godly ones, and then I'm going to say, maybe that's what I'm supposed to be like. There's a million different places in life where we don't know what we're doing. 
please don't confess them to me all, okay? Like, uh, you know, we don't know what we're doing. So we have to ask the question, God, what do you want me to do right now? I want to say that you should appreciate the differences of, of a male and female, a woman and a man. Um, on the other side of that, be careful. Don't compete with one another. Don't compete with one another. Some of us as men, we go, oh, you're so weak. You're a woman. I can, I can lift this 50-pound thing, you know, with one hand. I'm pretty strong. Ha, ha, you're just a woman. And women go, you know what? Can you get birth? Okay. Can you get birth? Like, you can't, so keep your mouth shut, okay? Uh, uh, don't compete. Don't compete. That ruins the compliment. It ruins the partnership. When, when you say, you're so stupid, you're a man. You're so dumb, you're a woman. Like, like, that idea is just horrible for marriage. It's competing. When we're meant to appreciate the differences, the, the God-designed differences that we have with one another. And then this last one. Hope you're still listening. Uh, be an easy partner. Easy partner. Be an easy partner. Be easy to be married to. Be easy to be. And, and I would say maybe that, that word easy bothers you a little bit. Be helpful. Be helpful. What was the problem? Uh, you could say it this way. Adam was in over his head, right? He was in over his head. He was incomplete. He couldn't handle what life had for him, right? He was incomplete. And so the, this woman was this compliment helper fit for him, for him. Um, when you're not easy to live with, when you don't think about how you can make the other's life easy to be with, it's bad. It's bad. You're not fulfilling God's design. You say, well, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like the way things are going, and I'm going to tell him, and I'm going to tell her, and I'm going to, I'm going to be miserable and let everyone know that I'm not getting my way. I want to tell you that's just selfishness. So think about yourself and say, am I easy to live with? Am I an easy, helpful partner? If it's just about two selfish people doing their own selfish things, and it's not, it's not. There, there's this idea that Adam had stuff to do life to live and he couldn't do it it wasn't right it was not good and so god made a helper fit for him that they together in partnership would work to do all that god called them to do and so this partnership is this idea of of us being to one another an easy partner a helpful partner to look to the needs of the other and say, how can I help them accomplish what God has called us to do? How can we work together? How can we make it easy on one another? I want to tell you, that may be the biggest thing I can share with you this morning, to be a partner that's easy to live with. If as I share that, you realize that you've been difficult, I'd encourage you, confess to your your. Uh, your husband or wife. I've been selfish. I've been selfish. And that selfishness has hurt our marriage and it's hurt you. Well, we'll talk more next week if you come back.
Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Um, God, I do ask that it would find a good soil in our hearts. God, I ask that you would preserve and protect the marriages in this church. I ask that you would protect uh, our young people, our, our singles here today, that uh, they would not have ridiculous ideas of marriage that will put them in a dangerous spot for generations to come. I do ask that you'd provide for them. I ask for our little ones that they would grow up in homes that um, they want to be like, that they want to follow in the footsteps of their parents. God, do your work in your church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.